Hello, welcome to the Lansing Area Church of Christ's weekly message podcast. If you'd like to learn more about LACC, please visit us online at lansingchurch.org. Today's sermon from Joel Nagel continues our April sermon series and is titled Achieved Identity. I want to start with a question. I want you to think about this. How much control do you have over who you are? How much control do you have over your identity? Is our identity determined for us, or do we have some say in who we become? I think that those are tough questions. They're very relevant questions for our world today with complex answers. Science has tried to answer this question. Uh, There's a study that I read about recently, and I'll show you, this is the official picture from the study. Uh, Scientists studied uh, rat twins, genetically identical mice. Um, And then they put them in the same cage, gave them the same food, and you know what? They turned out different as they grew up in their rat lives. One would become inevitably more exploratory and whatever it means for a mouse to be outgoing in the life of the party, and the other one would stay home, read a book, pet its cat. What they found is that a small series of events can lead to big changes in the brain. And here's how this relates to humans. Suppose, for example, you have two identical twin girls and one of them has a chance experience that makes her just a little bit more extroverted. Because that one twin is a little more extroverted, she meets more extroverted friends, who then make her even more extroverted. The result is a feedback loop that keeps amplifying this personality trait, whatever it is, that may even create new brain cells, until finally you have these two identical twins, one of whom is out at parties with her extroverted friends, and the other one is sitting in the library by herself. Not that there's anything wrong with that, okay? The point is, even the little choices that we make in our lives can end up having a big impact on who we become, on our identity. I'm getting like a feedback thing back here, Alex. Maybe it's the snare drum, I don't know, but it's like in my head. Talk about feedback loops, it's happening. the good news about this is that small, small things impact who we become is that you can always change who you're becoming by starting to make even the smallest good choices about your life. Today we're going to talk about our achieved identity as we continue in our Identity in Christ series. We're going to talk about the identity that we build through the choices that we make. Last week, we talked about how Satan and the world wants to deceive our identities, deceived identities, by getting us to focus on um, just the, the basest uh, pleasure or pain. Just go after pleasure, avoid pain at all costs. That's what the world wants us to do. It's a deception. Next week for Easter Sunday, and, and I want you to invite people, invite your friends and family. There are little uh, cards for, for Good Friday. Uh, we're going to talk about our received identity. It all rhymes. You see this? Um, and it's the amazing identity that Jesus gives us through his death and resurrection. So today, achieved identity. Next week, 
the identity that we receive from Jesus. Before we get into the rest of the message, would you pray with me? Uh, Lord, we just thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you that, uh, that even as it seems like spring is springing up all around us, we get to celebrate uh, the most amazing thing that's ever happened in our world, the death of Jesus and the resurrection. And that it's an amazing thing because it's not just one person uh, who experienced that, but because of Jesus' sacrifice, because of the power of the resurrection, we all have an opportunity to experience that. God, as we talk about the choices that we make today, I pray that our hearts could be humble and ready to receive your word. We're so grateful for your word. It is Jesus, and we love him so much. It's in his name we pray. Amen. You know, uh, when you want to build something strong, you have to intentionally decide from the foundation to reinforce it, to make the foundation strong enough that you can build something strong and awesome. The Mackinac Bridge did not get there by accident. It was planned. It was built intentionally. If you want to build strong relationships, habits, marriages, careers, companies, families, whatever you're trying to build in your life, you have to build intentionally. Strong structures don't magically appear. We have to make the right choices. So we're going to spend some time today in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You can turn there right now. And we're going to learn uh, from a few verses from the Bible's master builder, the Apostle Paul. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10, this is what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. He says, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. And so Paul, in this passage we're going to spend time in today, he's talking about building churches, but it certainly applies to us as a part of the church that's being built up. Uh, we're going to apply this to building people, us, with strong characters. So Paul, in this passage, he calls himself a skilled master builder. The, the word he uses in Greek, um, it's, I think it's inflated a little bit here in the English Standard Version. It just says wise. I built as a wise builder. You know, the first and most important choice that we have in whatever we're building is to build with wisdom. And it really is a choice. You know, we, like Paul, we're, will we be wise builders? Will we, will we be skilled craftsmen of our lives? Or, and here's really the choice, will we follow our desires? Desire asks, how can I get what I want? Wisdom asks, am I even wanting the right thing? It steps back. Is what I want godly? Is it the best thing? How is this going to affect me? If you habitually ask yourself what you want without wisdom, you'll be on a path towards self-centeredness and misery. That's what you're building. Wisdom puts desire in the back seat and asks questions like, will this please God? Will this help other people? Is this bringing unity or division? And all of this, this asking, you know, wisdom, being wise, it does more than just kind of momentarily put us in a better place. 
why, if we keep making wise decisions, it actually starts to change who we are, our identity. We become wise. Couples who choose to save intimacy for marriage are building a wise relationship that puts God's desires over their own strong desires. They're training themselves to be selfless instead of selfish. It's the foundation of a good marriage, according to God's word. Uh, Married couples who've made a decision that they will not raise their voices when they get upset with one another, they're choosing the wisdom of being respectful. And I think about that. If you've made that kind of a decision as a married couple that you will not raise your voice in an argument, your kids, they might not know how blessed they are, but they're so blessed. What a difference with a yelling family and a non-yelling family. Brothers and sisters who choose to have pornography blockers and accountability software on their devices, they're choosing openness over the freedom that they have to sin. Wisdom versus desire. We want to avoid the choice made in haste. Proverbs 21.15 says, The plans of the diligent surely lead to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. We want to avoid the choice made in anger. James 1 verse 20 says, For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Paraphrase, anger doesn't work. We want to avoid the angry choice. We want to avoid the choice made alone. And I think this is a big one coming out of the pandemic We were just alone more. Maybe you got used to making your own decisions and not seeking help from other wise people. Proverbs would say the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. You know, I bet the worst decision you ever made was made in one of these ways. Think about that. Maybe, maybe that even fills you with some regret. But this is how powerful God's grace is. This is how powerful wise building is. Strong character is built daily, but not in one day. We're becoming the sum of our choices. Not all, the, not all choices are the same. So you can start making the right choices right now, and things will start to get better right away. Not all choices are the same. I ordered a breakfast sandwich this week. There had never been a choice before at this place where I ordered. It was always just bacon. And so I said, I'll have the breakfast sandwich. They said, okay, bacon or sausage. I was blown away. My hair blew back. I was like, what? What do I do? This extra, you make like 10,000 choices a day, they say. And now I had 10,001 to make. What would I choose? Which would give me cancer first? It probably doesn't matter. Some choices aren't that important. But you know what? There is a great, big choice that matters more than any other choice you could possibly make in your life. It's so important that it affects every other decision you make. Let's read our next verse. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11. Paul goes on to say, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. In all of our choices, the choice that covers everything else, the biggest choice, the foundational choice, is will Jesus be the foundation of your life. He must be the first choice. 
We know this. It's almost cliche, right? Like how many times have you heard a lesson from right here about choosing Jesus, about Jesus being the foundation, about Jesus being number one? Just because it's almost cliche does not make it any less true. But I do want to ask here, and I I hope I can spell this out for us, what does that really mean? What does it mean to have Jesus as your foundation? What does that look like? Here um, are a few things that are pretty familiar, maybe one thing that's not so familiar there. Um, in In a pyramid, the foundation is essential. You never see an upside-down pyramid, do you? That's never something you... I've tried, we, we, there's a human pyramid there. Um, and we've tried to make ups... I'm like, hey, can I be on top sometimes? And we've tried that. It doesn't, it doesn't go well. I end up on the bottom. Um, it's, it's not good for the people on the bottom. But we know, we know how these pyramids work. You know, you think about the food pyramid. I think it's been replaced by, like, the My Plate Challenge or something like that. Uh, but the concept is the same. In the food pyramid, some things, the things on the bottom there, the base are more essential than others. And the most important things affect the other things as you go up. If you fill up on sweets, you don't have room for the fruits and vegetables and the ungodly amount of grain that they want you to eat. Um, You don't have room for that if you fill up on sweets. You have the pyramid at, at Giza, the great pyramids. That strong foundation has allowed them to stand. Do you know that we are closer to Cleopatra right now than Cleopatra was to when those pyramids were built. That's how old they are. I don't know if that blew your mind or you're confused. They're really old. And it's because they have such a strong foundation. Next to that, so you've got the wisdom pyramid, which is not the one on the left. In the middle, the wisdom pyramid. Um, That's like the idiot pyramid. And then you've got the wisdom pyramid. Um, This book by the unfortunately named Brett McCracken. Uh, It's such a good book, if you get a chance. And it's all about building our lives on the foundation of Jesus. How strong is the foundation that you're building on? Is it really Jesus? What influences you the most? That's what this book asks the question. Is it the Bible? Is it your church? Is it spending time with God? Is it other books? Look at the very top. What's what's the sweets? What's What's the occasional donut that you should eat? A little bit of social media. That's the phone at the top there. Not the bottom. <laughs> How many of us have some found? You're like, well, my foundation's got a lot of social media. My foundation's got a lot of infotainment, a lot of news feeds. That's not, a, that's not Jesus as the foundation. If our foundation is Jesus, then the, his word, his church, his spirit, they're going to have the biggest influence on our lives. It changes the way we answer big questions like, who will I date? How will I respond when I feel hurt? How do I answer questions about gender, sexuality? Even things like, where should I live? Where should I work? Who should my best friends be? How do I spend my time, my money? Is Jesus the foundation? To have Jesus as your foundation, it's more than, remember the WWJD bracelet? Like, yeah, what would Jesus do? You know, we've, even though Jesus faced all the temptations we face, we face some choices he didn't have to make. Like, how often are you going to look at your cell phone? And so we can't just be like, well, Jesus didn't do it. We have to actually think, okay, Jesus is my foundation. What does it look like? Really, not just to say 
what would Jesus do, but to have him as the biggest influence in all the choices that you make. You know, um, I grew up playing hockey. Look at that guy. And, um, and I was average. I was, you know, middle-level hockey player, I would say. But my parents, they knew a college hockey player. And so when I was like one of those ages, um, they got him to come to one of our practices. So the might, we're the Mighty Mites, and we have this college hockey player come, and our coaches are like, hey, man, you know what you're doing. Uh, and he, they let this guy run the whole practice. We're doing all these drills and stuff, team picture, and then he gives us this motivational speech about what it's like to play college hockey, and, and it was, like, so awesome. And here's the thing. I didn't get, like, magically better at hockey because of this, but I gained some serious ice cred. That's like the hockey equivalent of street cred, okay? Um, if you didn't get that. Uh, but I, was like, I was like the coolest person on the team for the rest of the year uh, because of the person that I knew who came to this practice. Knowing Jesus, having Jesus as your foundation should drastically change your situation. You're still you. All your strengths, all your weaknesses, maybe your slap shot's not great. But you've got this really amazing friend. And anytime you bring him with you, people are like, what is happening with this person? She's amazing. Paul, uh, Paul goes on. Let's read on in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Hopefully that gives you more of a picture of what having Jesus as your foundation is like. 1 Corinthians 3, Paul talks about what happens when Jesus is not our foundation. Verse 12, it says, Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day, capital D, that's talking about Judgment Day, will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. And so you got to think, what is my foundation built up with the right things? And what am I building on the foundation of Jesus? You know, we, we ended last month's sermon series, the Sermon on the Mount, and I showed a picture of total devastation from a hurricane, except one house standing. I don't know if you remember that or not. That one house was built to code. It's the only one that made it through the storm. Jesus ends his Sermon on the Mount by saying, the storms gon' come. But if we build on the rock, on him and on his word, our house will stay firm. Storms just happen, right? Life happens. It's tough sometimes. You might be in a storm right now. You're probably in at least a little bit of a storm. Storms are going to come. You know, I remember, uh, you know, we just celebrated Amelia's 10th birthday this week. Um, and I still remember her being born 10 years ago in the storm that we weren't expecting. We stayed in the hospital for so long, hoping and praying that she would be healthy. And we're so grateful that she is. That was a storm. Storms are going to come. You know, nobody plans on getting a divorce when they get married. Storms come. Nobody who's having a child plans to be a bad parent. Storms come. 
Nobody plans to be selfish or greedy or bitter or addicted, uncaring, joyless. How many people do you know that are like that sometimes? Because storms came. There are, there are a lot of people who end up that way. You know what? Nobody plans to go to hell. But there are a lot of people who are building their lives on choices that will not survive the storms, whatever that storm might be. Maybe this is why. Let's keep reading. Maybe it's because they don't know just how precious a thing they've been tasked to build. Maybe that's why Paul starts it with these words. Do you not know? So what, why are we talking about this foundation so much? Well, don't you know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. Talk about taking things seriously. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. You know, uh, so I live in Holt, uh, glistening community of Holt. And on the Holt community page last year, people started to ask with excitement, hey, what's going in across from our Kroger? And they shared their hopes. Will it be a Trader Joe's, a microbrewery? My kids wanted a Jimmy John's. They always wanted Jimmy John's. Um, it's going to be a Popeye's. Um, it's, it's what Holt deserves. <laughs> Holt gets it. Um, you know, we... <laughs> You're like, yeah, that checks out. That, that, that makes sense. Um, we spent the, the majority of this lesson here talking about the foundation that we're building on. And as I said, we talk about that a lot. What's the foundation? It needs to be Jesus. Amen? Someone say, who's our foundation? Jesus. We know that. Why does it have to be Jesus? Why does it have to be such a strong foundation? Well, it's because of what's being built on the foundation. Nobody just builds a foundation. That's just the beginning. And so as we're, you know, we go to Kroger, we drive past, we get to see this Popeyes getting built. They tore down an old Chinese restaurant, the new foundation. I don't know a whole lot, but it looks good enough to support a, a Popeyes, even though it has that kind of fake second floor balcony with no door or way to get on it. It's just like a facade, but I think the foundation is going to be fine. Let me show you here. Here's, here's what it looks like. Oh, wait, no, that's not it. Um, I want you to imagine something with me. I want you to imagine... If instead of a Popeye's, Holt was getting a skyscraper. I know it's a stretch. How amazing would the foundation for a building like that have to be? There, you can imagine a little better. Um, oh, wait. There, now we, there we go. Um, um, now it all fits. But think about the foundation you would need. The foundation would have to be amazing because what was being built on top of it is complex and special and would change the whole skyline. The horizon of the Lansing area would be changed by what was built on this foundation. Well, the reason that the foundation of our lives has to be the most robust and sturdy foundation possible, Jesus Christ himself is because what's being built on it is the most complex and special thing there is. It's you. A structure that can truly change the Lansing area and beyond. You, the very temple of God. That's who you are. That's who we are. 
That's what we're becoming as we stand strong amid life's storms, as we make wise choices that maybe go against our desires sometimes. God is building his temple inside of you. The temple was a place of worship. It was a place for God's people to gather. It was to be a light for the whole world. It had the very presence of God in it. We are being built on the foundation of Christ for all of those same great purposes. That's you. That's us. We're being built to be a house for God's family to gather. That's why the foundation needs to be Jesus. You know, every family has different traits that make up its identity. Every church is different, every church family. Um, for our family, one thing that we've been building recently is uh, in our identity as a family, it's a very simple phrase, and the phrase is, Nagels don't swear. Nagels don't swear. And so Genevieve's in high school, and, uh, and swearing is just how teens talk. It's every other word, I think. We're watching you know, some more mature shows that have more swearing than what we used to watch on the Disney Channel or whatever. And so instead of bleeping it out or going like, ooh, or something like that, and we just did this the other night, I'll, you will hear a swear word, I'll look at the kids and be like, hey, Nagels don't swear, right? And they'd be like, yep, Nagels don't swear. And we talk about it. First of all, it's not creative. Okay, that's, that's, that maybe, that gets me. About, it's just not creative. Think of a better word. Secondly, and most importantly, it's a sin. It does not please God. Now, I know that my kids have used bad language, but I'm helping them grow out of it, not by just making a rule, but by addressing our identity as a family. This is who we are. This is who we need to become. And so even if they have said bad words, we're not going to, Nagels don't swear. It's our identity as a family. You know, we have other, we have other things like that, other identity building things, but, but that's something I'm intentionally building so that we can be different from the world around us. You are God's family. Your family is a part of God's family. This church is a part of God's family. And you as an individual, your identity is you are a child of God. God's family makes spiritual choices. Those choices make us holy. Those choices bring others into his presence. That's what a temple does. You know, Jesus, in his life on the earth, was tasked with building the ultimate temple. Did you know that? Jesus was a carpenter. He, the Greek word is a tekton. He was a, skill, he was a skilled builder. Um, and he built the temple. Did you know that? Just in his free time, he built the temple. No, he built the temple that was his body. But when he was alive, this is really cool, the temple, Jesus visited the temple that the Jewish people had built. That temple, of course, had been torn down 700 years earlier, rebuilt, not as awesome. And then they were kind of doing like endless like add-ons. Like, like it, it, it couldn't have looked like, kind of like you're just adding on extra things. You ever see a house like that? Like here's another add-on, the, the siding doesn't match, the roof doesn't match, whatever, we need more room. That's what they were doing. So Jesus goes to this temple. Let's look in John uh, chapter 2, or you can just follow along here on the screen. This is what happened when the temple, the true temple, went to the temple. In John 2, 18, it says, So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Um, and he had just kicked everybody out of the temple. Jesus said, like, So, hey, 
why do you think it's okay for you to do this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And so we're Christians. We know, okay, this sound, that sounds like Good Friday, Easter, something's going on here, right? The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. They're talking about all the add-ons. And will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. This is, this is what we commemorate this week as we go into our Good Friday service, as we invite friends to come and commemorate this, as we go into Easter, as we take our communion, which we're going to take right now. Jesus is building us up to be God's temple. And you know what? He's an expert. He's like, oh, it took 46 years for you to build this temple? Three days. Let's go. Jesus was God's temple. Just like you're being built into a temple, Jesus was God's temple. And you know how much he loved you? He loved you enough to let his temple be torn down and destroyed violently on the cross. In fact, he chose that. This sermon's all about the decisions we make. Jesus made a decision. Tear down this temple. Three days, we'll raise it up again. And his decision, like the decisions that we make, led to his ultimate identity. Not as a good religious teacher, but as the son of God, risen from the dead, giving hope to all mankind that sin and death will not win. He chose that. Not just in Gethsemane, right before he died, and he prayed, Father, I don't want to choose this, but I will if I have to. But all throughout his life, his decisions put him on a path to become your savior. What path will your decisions put you on? Who will you become because of the choices that you make? I pray that we'll all become more and more like Jesus. That's the best life a person can build. In fact, it's indestructible. Let's pray and we'll take communion. Uh, Lord, we thank you so much for the example of Jesus. I can't imagine what it must have been like for the temple to be destroyed, um, how, how not a stone was left, and that Jesus would take that on as a metaphor for how he would be destroyed through the, the emotional abuse, the flogging, and the crucifixion that he would endure in his body and that he would choose that. Lord, even today, uh, as we fellowship and, and have our Easter egg hunt, as, we, as the marrieds have this cherished class, and as we go throughout our week, we're going to face so many decisions, and I pray that this, the sacrifice of Jesus, his love for us, could be the foundation of our choices. That we could see, for some of us, the most miraculous turnaround, even in just one week, because of wise choices made instead of choices based on desire. Uh, you've given us free will. It's such a gift, but it also, uh, man, it really complicates things, Lord. But I pray that we could use our choices uh, to glorify you and that you could magnify that uh, to, to impact, to change the Lansing area and beyond. We're so grateful 
for the body and the blood that we remember now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Lansing Area Church of Christ. While we're happy to share this message via podcast, we'd love to pray and worship with you in person. To learn more about our services or to connect with us, please visit us at lansingchurch.org. Have a great week and go with God.